what God has called us to. I, I um, months ago, I just mentioned a little bit about building on an apostolic and prophetic foundation. And I, I really feel that the Lord is re-energizing that, that we, everyone, understand what it means to build on an apostolic and a prophetic foundation. Not only do we understand what it means, but we're living it out and walking it out. Um, I, I want more than theory. I want there to be an actual apostolic life flow from one church expressed not just in our various locations, but our ultimate end is not to raise up just a church that is apostolic in name or in philosophy or in doctrine, but we are called to raise up an apostolic company of people. Our, our ultimate end is that every single person will carry an apostolic and prophetic DNA spiritually, that they will become carriers of what it means uh, to build on an apostolic and prophetic foundation. So I, I want you to know that not only has God called us to be that kind of people, but God call, has called us to raise up that kind of people. Uh, I love when I hear the story of Chase preaching tonight because what you're doing is you're imparting to another generation. I, I, I want us to see an army of people following us. One day we're going to stand before King Jesus. One day he's going to examine our work. In fact, the Bible says he's going to put a torch to it. And only the only thing that's been built with, with gold and silver and precious stones is what's going to endure. Everything that's been built with wood, hay, and stubble is going to burn up. And I don't want there to be, at the end of the day, just a pile of ashes that represents the work where I've spent my life for. I, I want there to be a purified people who have been prepared for the glory of the Lord. That's what it looks like. And so I, I want to talk about some principles uh, of building on an apostolic and prophetic foundation. I want to read again a verse of Scripture out of Ephesians, Ephesians 2. Uh, verse 19, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people, members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. Verse 21, in him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord, and in him you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. And so what God really is after is God is wanting every one of us to see something, to understand what it is that we're seeing, and then to give ourselves towards seeing that becoming a reality. Now, a couple of points I want to make, and I, 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 I've just been feeling this stirring about imparting to you the things that I impart to other leaders when I would speak at other conferences, and I, I don't want to get stuck, and I think sometimes it's easy to get stuck in building on a pastoral foundation, all right? I've made mention of this to you all before. We do not build on a pastoral foundation. We build on an apostolic and prophetic foundation. Now, why is that important? 
because the natural tendency in any local church is to build on a pastoral foundation. Now, when I talk about that, I'm not talking about it in reference to pastors. How many of you know Jesus gave pastors? Just like he gave apostles and prophets, he gave pastors. But the Bible doesn't say you build on a pastoral foundation. Now, what is a pastoral foundation? A pastoral foundation is where it's all about care. All right? It's all about care, making sure that saints are cared for. How many of you know it's important that saints are cared for? God calls us to make sure that say, I love it when I hear that Pastor Stan is going to the hospital and praying with people and ministering. We got to care for people. We've got to care for people. But the end objective is not, our mission is not just to care for saints. That's a part of what God has called us to, but the mission goes beyond that, all right? Why do you want people cared for? So that they can be equipped to carry out what God has called them to. All right? The end, see, far too many churches build on a care structure. And if you build on a care structure, care structures, it's everything is about me. It's all about me. Why is everything not working the way I want it to work? Thank God that the Lord does things and we want to minister to people in a way that touches their life, but it's not just so that they can get touched so that they can be happy, all right? It's so that they can carry out the mission, all right? God has called us to something. What is God's ultimate intention? That the knowledge of his glory fill all the earth as the waters cover the sea. You want to know what you want to give your life to something? Make it be that you be a declarer of the glory of the Lord to the ends of the earth. Make it be that you are multiplying uh, 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 people who are carriers of the glory of the Lord. Then you're talking about something that is an end worth giving your life to, all right? When it's all said and done, when it's all said and done, happy Christians aren't our objective. When it's all said and done, it's the glory of the Lord that's our objective. When it's all said and done, it's not just about making sure that we can have good church services. Thank God for good church services. But there ought to be something far greater, far bigger, far grander that we give our life to. And let me tell you, the only thing worth giving your life to is that we be carriers of the glory of the Lord and that we be cooperating with what heaven has already declared, that the knowledge of the glory of the Lord is going to fill all the earth as the waters cover the sea. That is what it means at its ultimate end to be an apostolic and prophetic people. That is what it means at its ultimate end, to see the church rise up. When Paul talks about here in Ephesians, he said, and you too are being built together. You rise to become a holy temple in which God inhabits you and fills you by the Spirit. And so our ultimate end is to raise up an apostolic company of people. Now, I, I, I want to make mention of two important characteristics as I get into this about the church. We have two aspects. We have both a sodality and we have a modality. A sodality is the mission of the church. We have a mission and an objective of the church, what I've just been talking about, about making sure that the knowledge of the glory of the Lord fills all the earth. Why do we send out missionaries? We send out missionaries to unreached people groups because the knowledge of the glory of the Lord doesn't exist there. Why do we want to win people? Because they're not carriers of the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. We, it isn't just about we, we want to win people to the Lord because people are lost. That's still a me-centered objective. Yes, people are lost, and we want to see those people found, but we want to see more than just uh, a people get saved. See, I, I, I think sometimes if we're not careful, we can have a me-centered evangelism. 
a human-centered evangelism. And, and what we have to understand is this, that in God's purpose, man is not at the center. Man is not on the throne. The Lord is on the throne. He is at the center. So everything exists that is by him and for him that we exist. All right? And so our ultimate end is to make sure that he's enthroned in every heart, in every culture, in every geopolitical nation, that the king of all kings is enthroned. That's what it means to be a declarer of the glory of the Lord to the ends of the earth. As Psalm, uh, uh, Psalmist David says in Psalm 96, verse 3, declare his glory among all nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. That's what God has called us to. So we have a, a sodality, which is the mission, and we have a modality, which is the care. All right? You have to have both. How many of you know this, that a, an army has a mass unit for wounded soldiers? But it is just not so that everybody just kind of spends time making sure that the mass, you know, that, that, that everybody in the mass unit, uh, it, that it's all about them. You know, we, we, we want to make sure soldiers get healed, wounded soldiers get healed. Why? So that they can go back into battle, so that they can go out and carry out the mission. So the mission always becomes priority one, and everything else serves that ultimate end. So an apostolic and prophetic church or an apostolic and prophetic foundation, first of all, and this is the principle I want to talk about, and I'm going to unpack four basic principles over the next few weeks, one each week. The first principle I want to, I want to unpack today is faith. Because I, I, I will tell you, more important than anything else that you and I would give ourselves to, it's that we've got to be people of faith. We've got to be people of faith. In, in Hebrews chapter 11, uh, the writer of Hebrews, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, Hebrews 11.1, 1, the evidence of things not seen. And then he begins to go on down and he unpacks it. And all the way down, and then he makes this statement about verse 6 where he says, and without faith it's impossible to please God. For they that come to him must, first of all, believe that he is, and secondly, that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Let me tell you, if there's any characteristic that stands out above all else in what an apostolic and prophetic people are, it is that they are men and women of faith. They're men and women of faith. Now, first of all, faith is seeing something that doesn't exist. It's seeing something that doesn't exist in the natural. That's the, 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 the first characteristic of faith is, the, and if you're going to be a, a man or a woman of faith, you're going to see things that in the natural don't exist, but they exist in the spirit. So you have eyes to see things that don't exist. Now, how many of you know this? People that typically see things that don't exist are called funny names by people today. Aren't they? In fact, if you're not careful, they will send men in white jackets to pick you up because most of our culture and even most of our church culture deals with the five natural senses, what they can see, touch, taste, smell, feel. Everything's in the arena of what exists already. Look, if God has called us to build something that doesn't exist in the natural, 
but it does exist in the spirit, then we first of all have got to be men and women who can see it. We can see something. We, we have eyes to see something. Uh, Sandy and I have been talking a lot lately about these churches, these, these hundred churches that I felt the Lord dropped in my heart. I, whether God said it, whether God dropped, I don't know. It's like a package deal that just came into my spirit. A hundred churches, uh, 50 miles north, 50 miles south of the I-4 corridor from Tampa to Daytona. Now, it's like just a package download. Now, I see it. I see it. I don't know how all of it's got to come about, but I'm seeing something. And I, 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 as I, I'm seeing it, I, I'm talking about it. And that brings me to the second principle. People of faith not only see things, they say things. They see things that don't exist, and they say things that don't exist. Mark 11, chapter 20, uh, Mark 11, 22 through 24, have faith in God. For truly I say unto you, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever things he saith. Therefore I say unto you what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Listen, what are you seeing? And what are you saying? What are you seeing today? Are you seeing some things by faith? Listen, if, you, if all you see is what's in front of you, you're not, acti- you're not acting in faith. If all you see is what's in the natural, you're not building on an apostolic and prophetic foundation because if it's anything, it's seeing things that don't exist and by faith reaching out and laying hold of them and drawing them into the natural. All right? Before there was ever a church planted out here on this hill, there was a vision. There was something that I saw. I mean, I saw that building. I saw that building before that building ever existed. I saw that building, and I went to an architect and uh, a builder, and I said, you draw this. This is what, and he kept drawing, and he kept drawing. Is that what you say? I said, no, this way. Change this, change this, change this. That's what I saw. And we finally finished it. That's what I saw. Well, now that that I saw is out there on that hill. and was been there a long time, thank the Lord. May it ever stay. Uh, but it, the, the point I'm trying to make is that you, if you don't see something, you can never experience it. Too many Christians, too many people live so much in the natural, so much in the arena of what they can see, touch, taste, smell, feel, that they will never experience the supernatural. Listen, God has not called us to live a natural life. He's called us to live a supernatural life. And when you start seeing things that don't exist, and then you start speaking about things that don't exist, I'm telling you what, you're beginning to tap into the arena of the supernatural. I, I, I could tell you story after story after story about what God, I've seen God do. But everything I've ever seen God do started out with something that didn't exist in the natural. It didn't exist wasn't there. It existed somewhere else. And I saw it. And then I started speaking it. And the more I would say it, and the more I, the more I would see it, the more I would speak it, the more I would, the clearer I would see it. 
And the more I would speak it, the clearer I would see it. The, the more I would see it, the, the louder I would speak it. You follow what I'm saying? Those two things are so important. It's like God, God shows you that we see through a glass darkly. We, 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 we catch images of some things. And, and you see, that's the way faith works. It starts out by you, you seeing something, and maybe you don't have all, the, all the, the, the clarity about it. It's like you're looking through a dark glass, and you see the shadows and the outlines, and you go, I, I, I don't see it all, but I see there's something there, and it's about this high, and it's about this wide, and I see it. And the more I say it, the better I see it. And the more I see it, the better I see it, the louder I can say it. And there comes an intensity in that. And I will tell you, that is the thing that sets apostolic, prophetic people apart from the rest. They see things that don't exist and they start saying things that haven't happened and aren't available even in the natural, apart from the supernatural. But then there's a third principle, and that is this. You have to also learn what it means to cooperate with that. You not only see it and say it, but the Bible says this, that faith without works is dead. So now I have to start working towards something that I only see in the, by the Spirit. I'm seeing it, I'm saying it, now I'm giving my life to it. I'm committing my energies to it. I'm spending resources on things that I've only seen in the natural. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You see, there are things that God wants to bring to pass in our lives and through our lives that don't exist in the natural right now. I think about a few weeks ago, I mean, we didn't have but a handful of kids in youth ministry. And then, Kyle, you started seeing something. You started seeing something. You started saying something. And we were, we're, we're going we're to see God do it. And now all of a sudden, well, we got like 50 kids in a house and not enough room in the house for all the kids. How many of you think that's a good problem? But you know something? Thank God for what he's done. But how many of you know that's only the beginning of what he wants to do? We have to see beyond that. You see, one of the things that happens in, in our lives, if we're not careful, is that we feel like once we've conquered one mountain, we can, we can settle. I don't care how long, as long as you've got breath in your body, Pastor Stan, thank God for breath in your body. As long as you've got breath in your body, God's got purpose for your life. As long as you've got strength to get up in the morning and tie your shoes, God has a plan for your life and is still to be just like Caleb, hallelujah. When he was 80 years old, he says, I'll take that mountain, thank you very much. Give me that mountain. You see, that's the way God wants us to be. That's what faith looks like. It stirs us and it moves us. And we can't ever settle. We have to be people who are always stretching for more, always reaching for more. I, I want to tell you something. When I had my 65th birthday, it wasn't time for me to retire, but time for me to refire and to reach out for the next level that God's called me to. And I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it. I, I, I feel energized by it. Why? 
because I believe that the things that God has said to me in times past, those prophetic words that, listen, God's brought me to the kingdom for such a time as this, and that I, I'm going to see that become a reality in my life. What do you see today? Let me ask you, what are you seeing? What are you seeing? Do you see something? Listen, if you don't see anything, you're blind. So open up your spiritual eyes that you can see what God wants you to see. Because listen, God's given you spiritual eyes that you can see. What are you saying? Are you speaking in line with the things that you see, the faith things that you see? You see, these are, this is a, a primary characteristic of an apostolic and prophetic people. We Listen, if we are going to be anything, may we be men and women of faith. May we be men and women of faith. I have been around, and God has privileged me to be with some amazing, amazing faith people through the years. And I'll tell you something about faith people. Faith people can seem strange. They can, they, I mean, they literally can seem very strange. And it's because they're seeing things and saying things that don't exist. And they almost seem like, well, are you okay? Are you mentally okay? Because you're living in something in another arena. But I have watched something. I've watched people with messed up doctrine yet have faith. And God honors their faith before he honors their doctrine. I've watched people. I'm not saying that so I encourage you to have messed up doctrine. You follow what I'm saying? But I'm saying that the currency of heaven is not good doctrine. The currency of heaven is faith. You can have great doctrine and no faith. Or you can be a man or woman who's full of faith. Now, may we have good sound doctrine, but at the same time, may we be above all else men and women of faith, great faith. If there's anything I want to be said about me, it's that I'm a man of faith. That I'm a man of faith, that I go for it, that I'll trust God, that I'll believe God, that we'll see. I know that's what God wants to do here. I know that's what God wants to do in your life. What are you seeing today? What are you saying today? What are you giving your life to today? My prayer is that it's not maintenance. I'm not talking about John. I'm, I'm talking about just maintaining the status quo. My prayer is that you are giving your life to something that's greater and grander and you're seeing something out there. That you're always living with something that you don't have in the natural, that you're motivated and moved towards. That's what faith is. And if you don't have it, you don't please God. I'm sorry. I didn't say that. The writer of Hebrews said that. <laughs> Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So if we're living in the natural, we're not pleasing God. We have to live in the arena of the supernatural. There ought to be something we're seeing. There ought to be something we're saying. There ought to be something we're giving our life to. What is that today? What is that? I want you to be able to define what that is. I want you to be able 
if I were to ask you, what is that in your life that you can say what that is? That you know with a certainty what it is. That there is something growing in your spirit because the longer you're pursuing it, the clearer the picture is becoming and the better defined it's becoming and the uh, more of the reality of it you're seeing. That's what I believe God's called us to. I believe that God has given to us a mission that goes far beyond what we've seen. In fact, I will tell you, I know I, I said 100 churches, but there's far more than that. How many oak trees are in an acorn? How many are there? If you say one, it's not true. There may be one oak tree, but that oak tree is filled with acorns, and in every one of those acorns is oak trees, and inside of that is, every, is oak trees filled with acorns. You see, we got to begin to see the vastness of what God has called us to. And I, I feel like that if we're not careful, and why I'm saying this, I, I want to challenge. I want to challenge something. Some of the mentality of our church is a pastoral foundation. It's all about me. All about making sure that I get what I want, get what I need. Get, listen, we got to be ruthless with that. When we hear people that whine because they don't get what they want when they want it, that's immaturity. My little Shiloh, she's beautiful, she smiles and laughs as long as all her needs are met. And, <laughs> But as soon as everything is no longer about her needs getting met, she's no longer happy. How many of you know there's a lot of people in the church just like that? That's called immature. Now, it's okay for Shiloh to be that way. She's a baby. But when you've been saved for 20 and 30 years, it's no longer okay for you to be that way. That's called retardation. I'll be totally non-politically correct but that's what it's called that's what it's called that's called a major spiritual setback when you're still whining over it being about me when you've been saved for years that is not something to thank God for that's something to challenge at its core and we've got a church with people like that we've got a church with people like that and we have to love people, but we have to be absolutely ruthless on any spirit like that. Why? Because we have a mission and a vision that goes beyond taking care of immature Christians. We have a mission and a vision that goes beyond babysitting and changing the diapers on 20 and 30-year-old babies. That is not even a pleasant thought. I have two, but it's not 
Oh, you did it as a nurse. Well, you did it in that. I've done it in the spiritual. And I would tell you, well, it's just as stinky and just as messy. And I, I, but see, you, you hear what I'm saying? What's our objective? To see the knowledge of the glory of the Lord fill all the earth as the waters cover the sea. No, I, no, no I'm, I'm going to, I've only given you one, and that's the principle of faith. Today is the principle of faith. Next week will be the principle of grace. The next week will be the principle of the Lordship of Christ. The next week will be the principle of the power of the Holy Spirit. So today has been the principle of faith. What you see, what you say, and what you give your life to. Okay? We're going to give ourselves to something. We've made commitments to something. We're speaking some things. Mm. I'm telling you, it's like a fire shut up in my bones. And the more I see it, the louder I'm saying it. The louder I say it, the better I see it. And we give ourselves to it. Father, I thank you that you have called us to something so big and so vast and so grand and so great. Lord, your word says, I hath not seen, ear hath not heard, neither hath it entered the heart of man the things that God hath prepared for those who love him. And Lord, I know that's not about just us. That's about you, Lord. It's about your glory. It's about your greatness. It's about your majesty. It's about your splendor. And Lord, we want to give ourselves to that. Lord, I know that we thank you that you've recovered a church here and we thank you that we've seen a few churches planted we we're grateful for that but lord that's not an end i'm grateful for the fact we're seeing people say but lord that's not an end lord i'm grateful for the fact that lord you've prospered us and increased us but lord that's not an end the end is the knowledge of your glory filling the whole earth that's the end And so, God, as long as there's breath in our body and strength in our hands, we will give ourselves to that ultimate mission and vision to see the knowledge of the glory of the Lord fill all the earth as the waters cover the sea. Lord, I thank you. Your word promises, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, in him, in Christ, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by the Spirit. May that be everything that we give ourselves to. May we experience it. May we live in the good of it, God. May we see it. May we speak it. May we pledge ourselves to it. I pray this now in the name of Jesus. And I give you all the glory, Lord, for it. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God thanks, can't we?